0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021. Week 1, DraftKings picks and preview and slate breakdown, maybe some strategy, maybe even a play the best plays lineup. Bring that over from the side of the golf show. Smash the like button to the episode. Give me your single favorite $3,000 play at receiver in the comments section. I'll have a full update on Friday with ownerships over on the Fantasy Football Picks and Bets feed. You can sub to that on Mayo Media Network. But I got a few things I need to tell you before we kick off with Adam Levitan from EstablishTheRun.com. Number one is, you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings? Who wouldn't? It's rake-free. You can put in three entries. Only... Three entries per person, so you're not going to get beat by 150 entries. It is the Pat Mayo Experience listeners' league, the best tournament on DraftKings. The link is in the description. You can't search for it on DraftKings. You need to hit the description and find the link down there. There is no rake. Five thousand dollars to first place. There's five thousand people in this tournament, so there are flat payouts across the board. It's a sustainable tournament. Even if you if you don't want to play in the Millionaire Maker and play for the big prizes, this is really the tournament to play in because a min cash is double your money. You can actually sustain yourself throughout the course of the year by playing in the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. And if you need some money to play in that, Why not get into a draw? I got $1,000 to give away. Three ways you can get into that draw. And one of them is far more important because you get more ballots. But sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. There's a ballot. You can sub to the newsletter from Mayo Media Network, which has more giveaways in it. There's another ballot. You want five ballots? Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review, something you enjoy about this show, Twitter handle, or email address. And boom, that's five ballots in that draw. Winners being given away Next Wednesday on the Spread Pick show you can find all this info down in the description just like you can find the le- link to run the sims.com you need an optimizer no problem you need a single game simulator run up to 10000 times that's completely customizable Who wouldn't want that? Player prop comparisons. Uh, The Kelly Criterion with your odds versus the player prop and the projections to see if it's a good bet or a bad bet. Start SIT tools, runthesims.com slash mayo. Go check it out right now. Adam Levitan, like I mentioned, is here. Thanks for doing this. I know it's a busy week for you. Although people have said this to me. It's like, I can't believe, Pat, you're able to guest on this show. Week one's actually like kind of easy. It's week two when everything gets cranked up and everything is condensed.
4: Yeah, no, I mean it is everything. You know, deadline makes deals, and so we're working on a ton of stuff, getting ready for week one, and then on top of that, have all the content that we normally do every single week. So yeah, it's good, but you know, nothing's better than having football back. You know, no matter how busy busy we are, and I don't even like football that much to be honest. I like gambling on football, and so really, there's a huge difference there. Like, I would never, I would never be excited to like watch the watching Washington football team play the Chargers if I didn't have some DFS or props or gambling implications. But since I do, it's like the best day in the world.
1: So if you want more info on how to play on DraftKings to try to become a winning player, how to bet on football to become a winning player, that's all up on media, Mayo media network right now. It is, you know, they're full hour long shows breaking down everything from tournament selection to how to correlate your lineups and from the gambling side, what to not do when you're betting on football, what do you guys got going on week one at establish the run?
4: Yeah. So we have, everything that we think you could possibly need to win in DFS and win in props. Um, you know, uh, I think that what we've seen on DraftKings, especially, you know, with the SB tech going behind uh, the odds there. I mean, the menu is massive. I mean, they're giving props on third string wide receivers, second string quarterbacks. They have pass attempts. They have rush attempts. They have like every possible player prop known to man. And obviously like on the DFS side, we have, I think the most advanced and best projection model, out there. And so we have all this stuff already. So we're just trying to leverage that better Tell people on props. Um, and honestly help me on props. I mean, I'm just absolutely blasting off on props. I took like 45 season long ones and, and I'll have, I'll end up betting. I don't know. We'll see how many we can get out. We can get up with, you know, five, 10, 15 plus percent edges, but I wouldn't be surprised me if we could get 20, 25 props that look really, really good up, uh, before the end of, before the end of uh, lock on Sunday.
1: Well, I was talking to Rob Pozzola about the same game parlays that are now offered on DraftKings, and it does seem like they're trying to give you money with those by being allowed to correlate props. It's actually like, because parlays by and large are just absolute losers, but those actually seem, now that you can correlate the stats together, that they could be pretty profitable if you can figure them out.
4: Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, like in the event uh, T. Higgins has a big game, it's almost certain that Joe Burrow is going to have a good game also. So really, you only have to get one thing right. And that's like a lot of things we talk about in tournaments on DFS and why correlation is so important, like reducing the number of things you need to happen, the number of things you need to get right to win is always a goal. Like picking nine uncorrelated uh, things that are going to happen on Sunday is like really, really unlikely. And so obviously, the correlation works in, in both those same game parlays and in DFS.
1: Let's talk about week one. These prices have been out for a month. Everyone's had a chance to dissect them. Now injuries have happened. It's opened up some great values. You could essentially leave $7,000 on the table this week and take the value guy at every position. And your team wouldn't be absolutely terrible. It wouldn't be the best, but you could do it. And it's probably the only week that that's going to happen. How do you manage through all of these quote-unquote values or guys that are just severely underpriced at every position? Do you lock on to one or two of them? Do you have to reflect ownership when it goes in to that like how do you navigate which ones to take and which ones not to take
4: yeah well first I would say I, I might disagree a little bit like and compared to years past I don't think that there's as many just like total slam dunk smashes as there's been in years past and, and part of why that is is because the guys at the top you know they priced Christian McCaffrey Dalvin Cook Alvin Kamara really high you know all the rushing quarterbacks uh, Josh Allen Kyler Murray Patrick Mahomes are up really high. We can talk about Jalen Hurts maybe in the mid range a little bit, but because these guys are such good plays and high priced, like I don't know, I don't there's not as many smashes at the low end. I think like people are going to try to get really cute with a lot of the low salary plays. You know, at wide receiver, I can think of like 3 off the top of my head that I think are going to be really popular and I think are decent. But fading all three in tournaments, I don't think is a bad idea at all. So it's actually, I don't know. I mean, to me, like, I would think of the guys, how wide their range is. So like Marquez Calloway's range, we know he's going to play a ton. Elijah Moore's range is probably a little bit wider because we don't know exactly how much he's going to play. And Rondell Moore's range is even wider than that because we're not certain how much he's going to play. But yeah, I mean, you know, as the range gets wider, if the ownership goes up, then we need to be thinking about Uh, being off them in tournaments but I know what you're saying you know it's it is unique in week one I just think it's not as unique as it is compared to other years when there's been literal like just stone cold free plays at running back and quarterback, et cetera.
1: Yeah, maybe it's less so at running back than it is at other positions because just how it worked out that a lot of, like even a Gus Edwards opening just doesn't fall onto the main slate. And we're talking about the main slate, the 13-game slate on Sunday. So maybe it's a bit of an outlier that way. But it does seem like at receiver, there are like four or five guys from 4500 bucks and below that you could mix and match and like not feel awful about having in your lineup.
4: No, and also, you know, we should note DraftKings raised the salary floor at running back last year to 4K, and that makes a big difference. You know, like they have Javante Williams at 4K. If he was 3K, we'd be talking. But at 4K, he's not that far off from guys who are going to play a ton, you know, and and Javante Williams is obviously going to share time with Melvin Gordon. So them raising the floor on running back, I think, made a really big difference.
1: Well, let's talk running backs and let's go through it. At the high end, Christian McCaffrey is the most expensive at $9,500 against the Jumbo Jets. Sounds pretty good to me. Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and Jonathan Taylor, all from eight thousand to ninety one hundred. Then we're into Saquon at seventy eight, Chubb and Eckler at seven two and seven thousand, DeAndre Swift at sixty nine hundred, who may or may not play in, in a terrible matchup. Aaron Jones against New Orleans at sixty eight hundred dollars. Clyde Edwards Alaire, Miles Sanders, James Robinson, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Miles Gaskin. That is the six thousand dollar and above running backs once again if you want to pencil in your own custom projections and fuck around with what you want for an optimizer and generate your lineups this week run the sims.com get 10 percent off use runthesims.com slash mayo and you can check out all of the tools that are up there i mean the showdown simulator is fucking top notch but you can go in and adjust every single game and all your ranges and stacks too in the optimizer if you're using that right now so run the sims.com slash mayo for that 10 percent discount Is there a way that I can play McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara in my lineups? Because Kamara seems, although he's $8,600, now without Latavius Murray, like what's he got, like 85% of the snaps? You should score like 40 points.
4: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I absolutely love Kamara. I will say that I think Tony Jones is going to play just as much as Latavius would have played. Uh, Tony Jones, I think they like a lot. I think he has a little bit more juice than Latavius. But yeah, certainly a really, really good spot for Kamara, specifically because you could argue they have the NFL's best offensive line. You could argue that, uh, well, you can say with certainty that Jameis is better for uh, Kamara than Taysom was. So, yeah, can you fit CMC, Dalvin, and Kamara? You could. It starts going to gonna start to get really thin, and we can talk about some punt quarterbacks later. But yeah, you can fit all three of those guys, and that's kind of what I was trying to say: is that at running back, like the best plays are also the most expensive plays. You know, like if you sort by value. In our projections, McCaffrey, Dalvin, and Kamara are actually clearly the three best values. You can mix, you could mix Joe Mixon in there, you can mix Najee Harris in there, maybe Derrick Henry, but you know, CMC, Dalvin, and Kamara are the three best and they're the three most expensive, even if you, after you adjust for salary. So that's going to create kind of a unique slate and kind of a slate that's not typical for week one. kind of going back to what I was saying before.
1: Do you want to play – because I think that pairing two of those guys, or hell, three of those guys, leaving you $3,800 left in your lineup if you use all three of them, uh, and use Kamara in the flex spot because he plays in the afternoon game, um, I don't think the other two do. But we look at, like – Those guys are going to be independently popular together. I think that's a way to not necessarily be contrarian, but at least have a unique combination of some of these players. But it's more than likely that people are going to make their lineups and they're going to be like, I'm going to take one of these guys and then I'm going to take Najee Harris or Joe Mixon. Then I'm going to take either a salary saver, wide receiver, or Javante Williams, like you said. I think that piling in as many high-end running backs whose touches that we actually know about right now and know what their high upside is, is probably the move, at least for me this week. But are you going to play like the contrarian? game and go with saquon whose role we don't even know what it's going to be in week one because i could see why you would do that i just don't feel like lighting my money on fire at the same time uh if i'm only going to play like two or three lineups and play these three max tournaments
4: yeah i i think um When it comes to Saquon, that one is a little bit thinner for me, not just because his health, which I think his health is mostly fine. They do have a Thursday game in week two. They do have one of the NFL's worst offensive lines. They are playing a very, very talented Broncos defense. And obviously they have a mess at the skill possessions with injuries and Daniel Jones as well. So I think, you know, that would be the concern on Saquon for me, but there's a ton of other running back plays that I think are like viable that you can and can and probably should mix and match, you know, like, Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Miles Sanders and Raheem Mostert and Damian Harris and Chase Edmonds. Like there's, there's a million uh, running backs that you can mix in and get, you know, save money and get a much, much lower ownership. So, you know, I, I think that jamming in McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara in tournaments um, is going to be popular, not all three, but as you said, one of the three or two of the three is going to be very, very popular, um, I wouldn't hesitate to kind of go a little bit contrarian at running back on guys that you like.
1: Well, if you did want to go contrarian at the top end, it feels like Derrick Henry is just sitting there with the Titans being favored in this game in one of the highest point total games of the week. And I have heard relatively little about Derrick Henry this week.
4: I mean, Derrick Henry is always a battle between like the football guys and like the projection people because when you don't catch passes and when you're really game script dependent you know it's hard and like Derrick Henry has been breaking models for a very long time as just like this massive outlier we still have Derrick Henry as a really really good play this year even this week even though you can only give him one maybe 1. 1.5 catches if you're lucky um, in this game the problem is if they get down you're going to be in big big trouble I think they'll play reasonably well but their defense is is really bad um, but yeah you know I have Derek Henry is going to be popular. Though. Like, I, I wouldn't trick yourself, Pat, into thinking that like people aren't going to play Derek Henry. Like, he's the big dog. Everybody loves him. Like, I, I understand to me, he's a worse play than CMC Dalvin Kamara, but I think to a lot of people, he won't be.
1: Maybe so. But like, you, I would think that Kamara's ownership would be double what Henry's is in tournaments. I'll take that bet. 50 bucks. What are we betting? M- million? How much? Uh, what's the millionaire? I want to pick the right millionaire maker because I don't want to do the $5 because you might be right in the $5. Is there a $10 one?
4: There's a 5 and there's a $100 millimaker maker.
1: Okay, in the $100 milli maker, I say that Camara doubles the ownership of Derrick Henry. 50 bucks.
4: There's more sharps than that, but you got it. You're on. I'll give you action.
1: Boom. Hey, I need I need my act. I'm not going to win on DraftKings, so I might as well get action in this way. <laughs> play in the listeners' League, by the way. That, maybe that would be a proper representation of people who actually play. But we'll do the $100 millie maker. I it's not that I don't think that he's going to be like 2% owned or something like that. I think that Barkley has the potential to be like three, four, five, six 6%. Owned. Yes. Henry will be like 11 or 12. I just think that Camara, because he's the cheaper price, the Latavius news coming out in a script where they should be passing really favors. And we know at his like highest upside, I, I remember that Atlanta game a few years ago when Murray was out, it's like, Oh, he got 13 passes. Like that could be a game that Camara is sure. in for this week. And people just have that in the back of their minds at the higher stakes level. I think, because I do think that he is probably per Dollar at the high end. Like, he can, he's the only one that can rival McCaffrey's ceiling if they play their very best games. I'm looking at the Run the Sims like projections right now, and like the ceiling for Derrick Henry is like the ceiling for Dalvin Cook. It's just the floor for Derrick Henry, and the medium projection for Derrick Henry is a little bit lower based on exactly what you said. His lack of passing, pass catching ability really limits what he does in certain circumstances. Obviously, if you're playing Derrick Henry, you're hoping for the best circumstance, and that doesn't matter anymore. But if you have to run all of the different outcomes that goes that go into it like Camara and see C- CMC's floors are just going to be higher even at a median level just based on the pass catching that they bring if we do want to cheap out a little bit you mentioned I, I think it's Najee Harris and James Robinson do you think people will be buying in to James Robinson uh, because he you know he went up draft board so wildly I do think that season long affects week one ownership on DraftKings especially if you did best ball drafts on DraftKings that it just becomes logical like hey I got this guy in the in the fourth round he was going in the eighth round and oh look uh, James Robinson is only $6,400 against Houston that seems like a great spot. spot I'm still not sold that it's just going to be like all James Robinson all the time for the Jags I can see stupid Urban Meyer doing stupid Urban Meyer things where it does seem like Najee Harris is the only guy they're going to use in the Steelers backfield
4: oh I mean Carlos Hyde's going to play for sure like that's not even a question it's a question of how much Carlos Hyde is going to play in the preseason they gave James Robinson a couple series that he started got a couple series in the first game after the ETN injury and then uh, Carlos Hyde came in for a couple series with Trevor Lawrence I don't know if that's how they're going to play it during the regular season but there's certainly some risk there um, yeah I, I mean I'm certainly prefer Najee to James Harris uh, James Robinson I know the matchup is more difficult uh, by a lot for Najee but yeah I mean the Carlos Hyde stuff is real I mean it's it's definitely really Carlos Hyde's gonna play there's no doubt
1: and Mixon sitting right there just below Najee Harris. Then you have Gaskin, who Gaskin theoretically could be a great play. I just don't see a reason to go to him at this price when he's surrounded by guys whose roles are just far more secure.
4: Yeah, I I mean, you know, at running back, I'm really trying to not worry too much um, about talent, uh, about much else rather than how many touches guy is going to get. And like Mixon and Najee are two guys kind of in that 6K range that are going to touch the ball for sure. Like Najee, for sure, maybe 90% or more than running back touches. Mixon, 85% or more than running back touches. And like at running back, that's really all you can ask for.
1: Yeah, so below that, below the $6,000 threshold, if you were to save some money there, like Gibson's at 59, I assume that he's Mm -hmm. going to be pretty popular, because that's a pretty good price for him. Uh, You would want him to get more involved in the passing game, and maybe without Peyton Barber, no one's going to steal his touchdowns anymore, but McKissick is still there for reasons, and maybe he'll end up catching passes. It's Chris Carson against Indy. It's not the greatest matchup, but I think that he is a player who could see 80% of his team's touches on the ground through the air from that backfield. I mean, Pete Carroll will always do weird Pete Carroll things, but it does seem like when Carson's healthy and he doesn't fumble on the first series, they just give him the ball over and over.
4: They, I mean, they love Chris Carson. They paid Chris Carson, a bunch of money. You know, there were rumors that uh, Rashad Penny could be cut. You know, they have never really added someone big behind uh, Chris Carson. They might use Penny. They might use Homer a little bit, but yeah, I mean, Chris Carson went healthy is the kind of back that Pete Carroll and this Seahawks team likes to use the game environment. I don't think is necessarily the best. I mean, I'm fine with Chris Carson. I certainly prefer Antonio Gibson. If we were spending 5,900, I think you can also make cases for Mike Davis and and Raheem Mostert in that range and maybe even Damian Harris. But, but yeah, I mean, I certainly have no problem whatsoever with Chris Carson. Uh, I think there was a week one game, not that long ago where Chris Carson had like three touchdowns in week one. And as you said, he kind of, he hasn't been, like, bad injuries, but he gets, like, banged up because, I mean, he plays such a physical brand of football. He gets, like, more and more banged up as the season goes along. So I, I think in week one, is fine.
1: So Carson, Monster mike davis damian harris those are probably the targets from that five thousand dollar level because even when i look at the ceiling projection on all of those guys they're right around the same it's funny with Mostert, only because you know that he's not going to get the same bulk amount of touches likely as a lot of these guys but you're essentially playing miles sanders is another guy like that where if he does everything to the best of his abilities it's like 80 yard touchdowns out of nowhere that those are the they're that type of player where it was almost almost like Leonard Fournette all those years, although he was getting the volume and be like, Hey, let's give him the ball 27 times. Eventually he's going to break a big one. And it feels like monster is able to do that on limited touches, but I, his role would worry me a little bit, especially if they get right. up. Cause they know like he's had this back thing throughout the preseason. It seems like he's fine, but if they get up and he hasn't scored already, they might bring in sermon or they might bring in God knows who that Shanahan found on the oh. street to play running back.
4: There's absolutely no doubt that, Raheem Mostert's going to share time. I mean, that's the way San Francisco plays. I mean, we only have Raheem Mostert for 12.5 carries right now. I was actually just trying to make a bet because I think the line on DK is 16.5 carries on Raheem Mostert. And it's just an absolute total smash on the under there. Trey Sermon is going to play plenty. And like you said, they could even mix in somebody else like Hasty or someone like that. So yeah, I, I think even on though 12, 13, 14 touches for Raheem Mostert, I think he can pay off his salary. So I think he's still in play.
1: All right. So below that, once we get down to, let's say, the Chase Edmonds range of, I mean, he projects to be a pretty good points per dollar play if things break right for him. But all of a sudden, Kyler scores twice from the one yard line, or James Conner comes in and steals those touchdowns. It's a bit of a dicier proposition in tournaments if we're just really searching for that upside. So that's a bit of a hesitation for me. Let's say Swift doesn't play. Would you have any interest in Jamal Williams in a terrible matchup? Because he's only 4,500 bucks.
4: Not really, but I'm almost certain that DeAndre Swift's going to play. I mean, the coach has basically said DeAndre Swift's going to play. Uh, yeah, but and, but he, no, I would but, not have too much interest.
1: But Dan Campbell might be a moron. Like, he might just smash his head <laughs> against the wall before that, and then he got confused.
4: Yeah, no, I think Swift's going to play. I mean, these guys, you know, he's been sitting out for literally like six weeks. Like, if, if DeAndre Swift's not ready to go, I'd be absolutely shocked but yeah even in the case I don't I don't really believe in Jamal Williams in in this matchup for sure I think Chase Edmonds is interesting you just have to be aware that they have no desire to give him carries at the goal line like we saw it last year Kenyon Drake I think was third in the entire NFL in carries inside the five yard line and so Chase Edmonds is going to lose the goal line stuff to James Conner doesn't mean Chase Edmonds still can't have a good game he can't score from further out but just know I think Chase Edmonds is in play but just know he's going to lose the goal line work.
1: Ah, I just ran through the Raheem Mostert sixteen point five rushing attempts, uh, through ten thousand simulations, and it's one the under is one of the strongest bets you could possibly have on the week one slate. I like it. I'm in. Thank you for selling me on that, by the way.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh my bet is under review right now, so uh you better get it in before uh before they take it down.
1: So Javante Williams, you throw it at the top at $4,000. I think that a lot of people, I mean, I don't think that's a bad play whatsoever. If you want to save the money there, I think there are better ways to save money, more secure ways to save money. At least lock up that running back or flex spot with a more secure option that is guaranteed touches versus we don't know. We're enamored with the upside, but we don't actually know how this breakdown is going to go between Gordon and between Javante Williams. But is there any other lower priced running back that you can see kind of going crazy in the spot. Like Tony Jones, you kind of mentioned, if things break right and all they do is run. Ty Johnson, if the Jets get way behind, I think that he's going to be their pass catcher. Like Coleman's the RB1 right now, at least on their depth chart. We don't know what role Michael Carter is going to play, but I bet if they're losing by a bunch, we're going to see Ty Johnson on the field. That is a very classic. Leone talked me out of this because I love playing these goobers who are cheap at running back. Who are like, well, he might get five catches, but that's like all he'll do. So he's trying to talk me out of playing these guys. and I'm trying my best not to do it. I don't
4: even have these guys on my list, Pat. You're, you're, you're running into what's now known as FPS, fancy play syndrome. At the running back position, you want to avoid FPS. It is so correlated to volume. Fantasy points are so correlated to volume. Like thinking that I'm going to play Ty Johnson and he's going to get five carries and he'll take one for a 40 yard touchdown. Like it's just not necessary at the running back position. If you want to get weird and start talking to me at tight end, if you want to get weird and talk to me about wide receiver, I'm more all ears at the running back position, the only guy under. Only guys I have under... 5k on my list would be chase edmonds and javante williams
1: all right and i don't even think i'm going to end up going that low at running back to be perfectly honest with you let's switch to receiver and it's going to be tricky because uh we i want to pay a bunch for running backs which means i can't pay all the way up at receivers maybe i need to get some tricky game stacks on the go to get access to some of these guys before we get into that i want to let you know that i am running a props contest this year this is for both you levitan and the the viewers and the listeners out there but it's going to be at PrizePicks.com. if you have a prizepix account you just play an entry of $7.11. Make five over-under picks for the week and you're in the contest. The $7.11 triggers that you're in the Mayo Media Network contest. There's like 3K up top uh, as a bonus just for playing it and you win your entries every week anyway. You go for a five for five. You get a weekly bonus of 50 bucks. You come in dead fucking last. You win a prize too because you're awful and you're probably out of money anyway. So here's some free money for you. But if you haven't signed up for prize picks yet, go to prizepicks.com and use code MMN and make the deposit up there. They'll match you up to $100 there's a link in the description. The full details are in the description. So just click on that and you can figure it all out. did want to let everyone know about that right away, though. But at receiver, if we go to the top, Devontae Adams is sitting there. Tyreek Hill is sitting there at 83 and 82. Calvin Ridley is probably, like, just independently my favorite play of all of these guys at $7,900. I just really like that game a lot for its scoring atmosphere. Hopkins, Jefferson, Diggs, Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Adam Thielen. That's everyone above $7,000. But if we're paying up at running back, even to- to that mid-tier of the mix-in and Najee Harris, it's going to be really difficult to get one of these guys into your roster if you don't want scrubs at every other position. So,
4: you know, instead of thinking about being contrarian through a micro lens, in other words, you know, can I play Ty Johnson? Can I play some other dust ball that no one's thinking of? I think being contrarian through a more macro lens. In other words, we understand most of the field is going to play McCaffrey, Kamara, Dalvin, Henry, whatever. And so, as you said, it's just obvious you're not going to have enough money pay for these wide receivers. So if you want to be contrarian without being stupid, think about leverage you can gain. Maybe it's paying up for A.J. Brown because a lot of people are going to play Derrick Henry, or maybe it's paying up for Devontae Adams because a lot of people are going to have Kamara in that game. And what if Devontae Adams goes nuclear? And so thinking about things like that, because let's be honest, even in a vacuum, Devontae, Tyreek, Steph Diggs, Hopkins, Ridley, A.J. Brown, I mean, these guys are all phenomenal plays that I think are equal or just slightly less better values in a vacuum than the running back plays are. So I think think, encouraging people to think about that for tournaments would be better to me than thinking about them trying to find some needle in a haystack with some guy that's, 0.5% 05 percent owned and goes off for forty points.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at this ceiling. It's it's funny because like Adams with his touchdown equity and target share has the highest, but then it's like Diggs, AJ Brown, like you mentioned, Tyreek and Ridley. It's funny that it's Diggs and AJ Brown. We talk about the absolute premier performances would be the guys near the very top of that list over a Metcalf or Keenan. I mean, Keenan Allen actually makes sense, but like Tyler Lockett, even McLaurin. Like McLaurin's one of the higher ceiling type players. I have a feeling that he's going to be very popular at sixty-four hundred dollars.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think people have a lot of respect for Chargers defense, Um, but I I certainly like McLaurin. I mean, in season long, I was taking McLaurin in like the middle of the third round almost every time. I don't know if the game environment between the Chargers and the football team, I actually kind of like the over there, which I don't know. I never bet overs and I actually don't bet that much sides and totals, period. But, But I think the over there somewhat makes sense, but so many people are building their projections through team totals now and the team totals in this game are, are pretty low. and The total is pretty low. So I don't know exactly how popular McLaurin is going to be if he's under owned I agree with you he'd be a really strong play
1: it just seems like he is the focal point of a receiving game and he's way cheaper than all of the elite options that people Mm -hmm. can talk themselves into that upside if they go with the expensive running back build he's a very logical first man in if you wanted to save some money what do you make of Julio in this spot because he's expensive and he's not AJ Brown and he's not Derek Henry like if you wanted to get away from some chalk in that game it does feel like he's the odd man out
4: um you know, Julio's 32 years old, but if you're going to play a 32 year old, I think week one would be a time to do it. And this Cardinal secondary is just absolutely woeful. So yeah, I think Adrian Brown will likely be more popular. Uh, I have no problem with Julio Jones whatsoever.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I don't know what I want to do in this range. Cause I'm looking at it right now. And the way that I want to build and maybe this will not be uncommon whatsoever is maybe my highest price receiver will be like Robbie Anderson at 5,700 bucks. And I'll just, you know, there are scrubs that i like from down there maybe i don't need to take them all or maybe finagle a cheap tight end or a cheap defense and open things up that i can pay up at receiver in another spot but how popular do you think this middle range at receiver is going to be because i think that the if you are in a situation where you only have like 5200 at receiver to go if you have paid for expensive quarterbacks that i think that most people would pay for one more really expensive guy than two cheapies rather than hang out in this middle
4: Yeah, I think there's some really strong plays in the middle. You know, I really like T. Higgins. I really like Jerry Judy. I really like Corey Davis. I like Tyler Boyd. I like Odell Beckham. Like there's a lot of really strong plays in the middle. And so if you play one or maybe even two of the expensive running backs and you ignore the top tier of wide receiver and kind of hit the mid-range and the low range, I think that's going to be a really popular construction. And so, um, yeah, I I think the mid-range is actually kind of strong and maybe priced. A little bit softer than the top range, where, you know, Steph Diggs is probably gonna be around 7,600 all year. Tyreek's gonna be 8,200 all year, whereas I think. Jerry Judy and T Higgins and Corey Davis you could see them get up into the 6k range pretty quickly.
1: Of those guys Corey Davis is most definitely the one that has all of my attention this week. I think that that game is going to be a shootout uh, because only because the Jets can kind of block it's the one thing that they can do and the best thing that Carolina at least last year did was actually pressure the quarterback. They can keep Zach Wilson upright a little bit playing from like 14 down the entire game just bombs away I know that's why people like Elijah Moore, but Jamison Crowder is not officially Out yet? As we're recording this, there's a chance Mm -hmm. that he could play, but I mean, I would probably go. I mean, that's when we talk about stacks. I think that's going to be one of my favorite like game stacks to go with because I think the uh, the options are cheap, and then I can pick and choose the individuals at running back from separate games that I can go with. But Corey Davis just he seems mispriced at forty nine hundred dollars. It feels to me like if his role is what we think it's going to be, he's like a fifty eight sixty three hundred dollar receiver on this team for the rest of the year.
4: I mean. This Sam Darnold bowl is going to be awesome. I I agree with you. I think Darnold is going to play really well, better than most people think. And then I think uh, Zach Wilson is going to be more fun than most people think. I mean, Zach Wilson and this Jets offense actually has some legit playmakers. You know, obviously not having Crowder wouldn't be great, but, you know, Elijah Moore can really play and Corey Davis can really play. And I think they have some decent backs, you know, Ty Johnson, and we'll see if Michael Carter gets in the game. But yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson is not just going to play like a boring style, like he's going to play aggressive, he's going to make plays and try to rip it. And so it's tough, you know, uh, from a game stack perspective, I think, because you don't get any rushing equity from either of these quarterbacks, you get very little rushing equity from either of these quarterbacks. And maybe that's not the best. But as you said, it's very, very, very cheap. I mean, all the pieces across the board are so, so, so cheap. So I'm not opposed to it.
1: Are we convinced that Zach Wilson's not going to run? Like, could he, have, could he be like secret, yeah. secret Josh Allen? Where it's not like as good as Josh Allen, but no one expected yeah. Josh Allen to do this in the pros, that Zach Wilson was somewhat mobile at BYU, that even if we could sneak like six rushes per game out of him, like that would be worthwhile. Oh,
4: I think it's a good point. I mean, Zach Wilson definitely has athleticism and and mobility, and, and he could, you know, and Trevor Lawrence too. Like I think Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence both have kind of, Uh, sneaky upside to rush for a touchdown on a bootleg from five yards out, you know, kind of like Tannehill rushing where like, you don't expect it, but Tannehill had a ton of rushing touchdowns last year and ran more than people think. So yeah, I think that's definitely in the range.
1: So below, I mean, you mentioned both Bengals receivers and no Jamar Chase. Everyone is off Jamar Chase. He either sucks or he has drops or he's not ready for the pros. Would this be the week to play Jamar Chase and just hope that everyone's wrong?
4: (sighs) I'm I have so much Jamar Chase in in best ball, and uh, I hope that's the case. It seems like it's gotten to be so bad with the drops and not separating that even the coaches are worried, and they're talking, maybe rotating in Auden Tate, you know? They're just going to look so bad if they play Auden Tate over Jamar Chase. They had the number five overall pick. They had Joe Burrow coming off of this A.C. Ellinger. They had a chance to take Penny Sewell. Instead, they take Jamar Chase. When they already have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, it's like – they're going to look so bad if they don't play Jamar Chase and play and he plays well. So I don't know, man. I, I Jamar Chase is on my list for tournaments. I, I don't know if I'm going to end up pulling the trigger, though. I'm scared that I'm scared of the rhetoric, let's put it that way, but you know maybe I just don't have big enough balls.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the, the weekly bust rate for Jamar Chase in our projections, and it's pretty high. The boom rate is super high too. He's one of the most sort of polarizing floor versus ceiling type players this week because if everything goes right and his explosiveness comes through, it could be one of these like six for 175 and two touchdowns, or it's what everyone says, and he's like, One catch for nine yards and five drops, and then he's out of the game. It's like, oh, God, what happened? And then T. Higgins does everything in this game. So it's a conundrum that I'm playing around with because – At some point, he becomes so hated and no one uses him and everyone uses Higgins that maybe it's not a coin flip. Maybe it's like a 70-30, but even the ownership projections around the same price wouldn't even reflect that. Like, Higgins will probably be 10 times more owned than Jamar Chase when this ends up coming through. Because I do think that Higgins is both, A, a good play, identified as a good play, and people kind of know that he's a good play, especially with all the rhetoric, like you said, about T. Higgins coming out. Also in this range, you mentioned Judy. Do you have why is there a preference for Judy over Sutton? Is it price? Is it just he's not hurt coming into the year? Because it looked like Sutton yeah. was okay towards the end of the preseason.
4: Yeah, there's been still some talk around Denver where Sutton is not elevating. He's not jumping off his leg as well. He still looks somewhat uncomfortable. I just don't feel that comfortable with his health. I think he's mostly fine. Um, I just think Judy's better anyways, period. Like I think Jerry Judy was a better prospect anyways. I thought Jerry Judy's tape last year was awesome outside of the drops you know but like Jerry Judy you know drops are not a sticky stat from year to year and I think Jerry Judy is a very 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 good player and fits really well with Teddy like Judy is going to operate more underneath and slants and get open and Teddy is very very good at being accurate in the short range and so I think Judy fits better than Sutton too so yeah I mean God, Jerry Judy, I was getting in like the eighth round, and then next thing I knew, he was going in like the fifth round. And, and same thing with T Higgins. I mean, T Higgins started going in like the fourth and fifth round. So, for those reasons, I think those two guys are probably going to end up being uh, pretty popular.
1: Yeah, I think that directly correlates, at least on the T Higgins side, with every negative, the daily Jamar Chase negative report that came out.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: So, the rest of the guys down here, I mean, we kind of glossed over. Like uh, the internet's favorite player, Lavisca Chenault, is—he's pretty pricey at five thousand bucks. Sterling Shepard might be the only healthy Giants receiver. That could be something. And Jacoby Myers, fifty-one hundred bucks against the Dolphins. Uh, I, it just feels like his ceiling isn't high enough to play him at that price. He'd be a good like thirty-five hundred dollar receiver, but like you're asking him to do something now at fifty-one, like score a touchdown
4: yeah and uh i should have a bet on mac jones over 28 and a half pass attempts that was on dk2 actually i don't know if it's still there but uh we have mac jones projected around 33 34 pass attempts and so i think the books have been slow to move on the cam to mac stuff and maybe dfs people are too because mac was awesome in the preseason and they're going to have a higher throw rate i don't think the throw rate will be like in the top half of the league all of a sudden but i still think they'll throw more I agree with you though. Fifty one hundred is probably too much for me on Jacoby. When I can get, you know, LaVisca and and I can get Hardman for cheaper, I can take chances on guys that are cheaper with I think a much higher ceiling than Jacoby.
1: So you would mention Jalen Hurts off the top. I think he's my single favorite play this week to stack with because I can stack him with Devonta Smith for forty five hundred bucks and just watch the fantasy points roll in against his crappy Falcons offense. And it allows me access to either to Ridley, a or Davis on the other side, or Pitts like it's not that it's a it's sort of that intermediate stack where it's not super cheap like the Jets Carolina one but it's not one of the super expensive ones it's somewhere in the middle that still gives me flexibility I really like that game and I know you're not in Philly anymore but I like Philly in this game too I think that people have shit on Jalen Hurts enough that I think they forget how good he can be at fantasy quarterback
4: (laughs) oh and and I think he can be fine at NFL quarterback, too. I mean, we'll see, but he's had a lot of time to prepare. Last year, nobody expected him to get in and get the job. They just threw him right into the fire with, like, no weapons whatsoever. They have decent weapons this year. You know, they're going to run a three-wide receiver set of Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, and Quez Watkins, who's really, really fast. And then they also have Ertz and Goddard. And they have, you know, Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. Like they have good weaponry for Jalen Hurts. And so, agree with you, you know, I, my first run of optimal was Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I don't know if it's going to end up that way, but he just provides such a big floor, you know, with his ability to run the football. And so um, I think that one's going to be very popular as well.
1: Do you think because it feels like there's been negative sentiment towards Hertz. You even saw this in fantasy yeah. drafts as the summer went along that Hertz was like the, the big thing out of the gate was Hertz is a top 10 quarterback. And then by the time August came around, it's like Hertz is the 13th quarterback off the board. People are drafting yeah. Tom Brady in front of him.
4: Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I would did one of those FFPC whatever, like the high stakes things. I got Jalen Hurts in the twelfth round. I was like floored. I, I don't I don't honestly don't know why. Maybe the Deshaun Watson rumors about the Eagles, but I mean, I, I honestly don't know why. Nothing has changed for me with Jalen Hurts. I think he's an awesome play.
1: Yeah, the way that I spelled it out in terms of season long is that there's only so many quarterbacks that can be the number one quarterback for the year. And he's on the list. He's not very high. He's probably the last guy on the list. But his combination of what he does well, and he's starting in week one, I mean, feels would also be on that list and Lance too but just with his rushing ability like he has the potential in this game to throw for 300 yards and rush for 100 yards and there just aren't many quarterbacks who can do that now that's probably him ending up as the number one quarterback is probably like a 0.02 percent outcome but at least it's an outcome for him where it isn't with Brady it isn't for Stafford because they just don't run they're not getting those points that it seems like, you should be willing to gamble on him at least, especially when the sentiment has turned negative on him in a really good matchup. And look what happened, not to say that he is Lamar, but just look at the leaps that Lamar made in year two when he won MVP, when they were like, oh yeah, uh, we know that you're the quarterback now and we'll design an offense actually around you, not just run the ball 500 times a game.
4: Yeah, I mean, you you hit it. You know, we've talked about this so much that it's hard at now for pocket passers to compete with the rushers and so when you have Kyler and Josh Allen and Lamar and Hertz it's hard because they're going to be so consistent like they're predictable and they have these massive ceilings whereas it used to be I used to play like Josh McCown in cash for like 4,900 and I'd be fine with it because there wasn't that much separation at the top at quarterback now you got Josh Allen and Kyler and all these guys hurts going off for 30, 35, 40 points. Like it's nothing. And so I think people should, would do well to reconsider and think hard about what they're doing at quarterback.
1: So of the cheapos, like I said, smash the like button, sub to Mayo media network in the comment section. Give me your favorite $3,000 receiver on the week one DraftKings main slate. Also in the PME listeners league too. If you are watching this long and haven't done it yet, like, fucking give your head a shake go do that then come back to the show uh Michael Pittman is $4,100 of all the guys down here he actually has the highest ceiling projection for me uh because he could be a, the number one on this team and it just turns out the Colts are fine <laughs> and he's going up against the Seattle secondary which can probably be had that seems like it's too cheap for him based on the potential role that he can have but of the $3,000 guys I mean I'm, I'm kind of looking at I mean, Zach Pascal is down there too. Like if he's the wide receiver too, or he splits the top end share without T.Y. Hilton around on the Colts, like those, the Colts receivers are just all super cheap. Can you pick the right one?
4: Oh, I think it's Pittman. I mean, Pittman has the Bible narrative going with Carson Wentz. Are you familiar with the Bible narrative, Pat?
1: I I am not. Does it also directly correlate to vaccination percentage?
4: Uh, Maybe, (laughs) but the Bible narrative, there was a big rumor in Philadelphia that Carson Wentz was favoring players he went to Bible study with deeply religious guy is Carson Wentz. I started doing some research, Michael Pittman, also deeply religious guy. If you, if you do some Googling, you'll find Michael Pittman with a lot of scripture, you know, Genesis, you know, four that, whatever, I, I don't know this stuff, but, but yeah, I, you know, I think it makes sense. And Michael Pittman is, I mean, so far and away the best player and athlete in this wide out core. I mean, Paris Campbell was probably better. Natural athlete, but he's been hurt so much and I don't know what his route tree is going to look like. And so, yeah, I, I like Pittman. I think 4,100 is a, is a cheap price on him. Most people are going to go down to the Callaway and the Moore type guys, but I think Michael Pittman could fly under the radar. Carson Wentz was so bad last year. I think he'll play better, but I still have some, some concerns there.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I bet Seattle minus two and a half. I probably should have got it when it was minus one or when the Indy was favored right afterwards, but I just wasn't paying that much Mm -hmm. attention to it. I still like Seattle to win this game, probably by three because it's stupid Seattle and they'll make bonehead decisions, but they're just a better team at this point. And if you give me less than a field goal with Wilson versus Wentz at this stage of their career, I'll just take Wilson blindly and see how that ends up going for me, especially with Dwayne Brown actually playing and providing a modicum of protection for Russell Wilson. But you kind of hit on the guys. Callaway's going to be super popular or at $3400. If Marvin Jones is fine and we'll find out on Friday with that shoulder just like Chark's finger, $3600 is an absolute steal for Marvin Jones, who I still think is going to be the best receiver on this team.
4: Yeah, I prefer LaVisca but I hear you, it's close. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't shock me if any of the three, LaVisca Chark, or Marvin led this team in catches this year or in yards, so or really in fantasy points. So I hear you. Uh, Marvin is very, very cheap. Obviously, I prefer Marvin 36 to Visca at 5K. Uh, I think that goes without saying. But, you know, Marvin's not doing well in the age model, is the problem, Pat. I know you're, I think you're familiar with the age model.
1: I'm familiar with the age model. I enjoy some good experience with me, but there's something that needs to be factored in. Like, I think the missing element from the age model is system. You don't think that uh, it's the same reason that we're going to see Carlos Hyde in this game? Offensive coordinator comes from Detroit, brings Marvin Jones Mm -hmm. with him, and you have Urban Meyer. Yo, he's there to be the red zone target on this team. You don't think that's like said in Jacksonville headquarters?
4: Sure. So the mistake you're making here is that in the age model, it's a single input. You can only put one factor into the age model. The only model you put in is age. You don't put in where he came from, defensive coordinator, chemistry with the quarterback. You only put in one thing, age.
1: All right. Then he doesn't rate out very well in that circumstance. (laughs) I still like the price of what I will be playing him if he's actually in the game. The other one, if we're going to go age model, how about Waddle? With no Will Fuller, $3,600. No one really believes in this Miami offense, especially against the Patriots week one, but he might just be awesome.
4: Yeah, I mean, Waddle's an awesome talent. He's certainly one of the better plays under 4k without will fuller as you said there's no doubt about it he's a little bit undersized i think the patriots defense is going to be pretty good this year like probably top 10 if not better maybe top five and so he won didn't jump off the page at me but i do think that Jalen waddle as a pivot off of callaway and make no mistake i'll be looking to pivot off of callaway in tournaments i think that makes sense you know guys in the same price range uh at way less ownership is always going to be a good
1: play would you ever consider, I know he's way more expensive, but playing Traquan instead of playing Callaway?
4: <sighs> Traquan's had chances to be the guy, you know, for uh, the, the Saints. He's also missed a ton of camp with injury. He's not projecting very well for us whatsoever. We do have Marquez Callaway as the number one. I always thought Traquan was talented. He's had chances just not doing it. It doesn't feel comfortable for me at 4,900, but you're right. I mean, he's probably going to be extremely low owned. And like, as we start talking about guys that are extremely low owned, as I said before, I'm way more willing to listen to you at, at wide receiver than I am at running back.
1: Yeah, in the points per dollar, if we're just talking about ceiling projections, which is really all I care about in tournament play, because I need the most possible points from these guys. Uh Marvin Jones and Waddle actually outrank Callaway, who would be third on that list. Terrace Marshall is down there, although we don't know what his playing time is gonna be. But if they do use him as a deeper threat, where you know everyone's shading Robbie. You see DJ Moore go underneath and just let Terrace Marshall go wild on the outside, like especially against this Jets defense. That could be a big boom play. That could also be a zero play at the same time. But he's at $3,000. You would hit on Rondell Moore earlier. We don't know what his situation is going to be. Rager is down there. Darius Slayton is down there, too. I don't know if he's going to play or not. But like I said, everyone is hurt on the Giants. It's probably not the best situation to attack. But you got to think someone has to score for the Giants. Not everyone can be hurt.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, I, th- I have a lot of respect for the Broncos defense, but I do think Slayton is, is going to play. I think Kyle Rudolph is going to play, and I think obviously we'll have Sterling Shepard and Barkley out there. So maybe not as bad as it seems for the Giants, but just not a great matchup in general, just just a train wreck of a team. And and I'm worried about the Giants just like, you know, totally cratering as an offense. But, um, I you know, I, I don't hate any of those Giants guys as like deep contrarian plays. I don't think I'll end up going there,
1: though. Uh, last one is Quez Watkins at $3,000, like only in a Hurt stack?
4: Probably. I mean, I think there's some chance that Greg Ward mixes in the slot, like Quez Watkins and Greg Ward split the slot snaps, and that obviously would be bad for Quez Watkins. I Yeah, I think part of Jalen Hurt's stacks would probably be the only way that I would play Quez Watkins, but dude makes huge. I mean, he's so fast. He made some huge plays in preseason
1: move to tight end very briefly. Cause I think you go one of two ways you pay up or you pay down. Um, the middle tier doesn't really do anything for me unless you're super convinced about one of these guys, but I see no better play at tight end on the slate and to save all my money than just play Tyler Croft at 2,500 bucks against Carolina.
4: <laughs> yeah, we don't have Tyler Croft as that strong of a play. actually, I think if I was going down below 3k, it would probably be Tyler Conklin for me, not Tyler Croft. I know what you're saying. They did resign Ryan Griffin, Did the Jets? Sounds like you've been like hanging out with Tim too much. You sound like you're sipping a lot of Jets cool. And you tried to show me Ty Johnson, then you tried to show me the the Jet Stack, and now you're trying to show me uh, Tyler Croft.
1: Well, here's the big thing: is that based on the history of us doing the show and expectations being really low, but the future being within sight for the Jets with a brand-new quarterback and a brand-new coach. Week one of these situations, the Jets crush. And then Tim says they're going to go 17-0, and then they go 1-16. and That's how this works.
4: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I sell me on Tyler Croft other than he's just like, a big dude who's going to be out there a lot
1: he's a fresh body uh, I don't want to play into the rookie quarterback narrative tight ends I think that's stupid and it's unfounded but what I do especially if Crowder is out so we'll get a mix in of Elijah Moore in the slot and we'll have like Mimsy on the outside probably I guess with Corey Davis and I just expect them to be down in this game and yeah I don't know how much Ryan Griffin's going to get run in this I'd probably want to see practice reports and see what the speak out of it is but it leads me to believe that Tyler Croft is going to be on the field the majority of the time at tight end when they play a tight end, which they probably will because they're kind of banged up if Crowder's not going to be out there. So we get him on the field like 70 75% of the time. They do have a good offensive line. It's the one thing they do well. So he's probably not going to ask to be blocking a lot. And I think it's just very easy completions for him. The route tree for Tyler Croft isn't all that large. I can see him being, he's the biggest body they have for the red zone. And I think they're going to be playing a ton from behind and just chucking a ton. So if I can get a bunch of routes from Tyler Croft, which I expect, then all of a sudden paying off the 2,500, I mean, that's one, one way or another. If he scores five points or seven points, I'm not too happy about it. But if I can get him like, Five catches, fifty-six yards and a touchdown at twenty five hundred bucks. I think that's in his range of outcomes.
4: Uh yeah, I do too. I I I think that Ryan Griffin might play a little bit more than you think. And I also think that Tyler Conklin, like they have no choice but to play Tyler Conklin are, almost every snap. Are they are,
1: are they not making Herndon active at all?
4: Uh he might be, but he's only been with the team for like a week. You know, I'd be surprised if Herndon played a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's probably one of those, he's the other guy points per dollar who's up there for me from the cheap end. It's one of those two guys.
4: Yeah. And actually, you know, you, you mentioned avoiding the middle. I mean, man, it would not shock me. Like, so Travis Kelsey is 8,300. What if, what if Pat Kyle Pitts is the next Kelsey and like the chance to get him for 4,400 will expire after week one, because he's used as just like a total freak and a really good game environment. And like where they selected him in the draft, what his prospect profile looks like. You can make a case that like, that is it. So I'm intrigued by, by Kyle Pitts too. I would agree with you. Most of the mid range looks relatively dusty, but Kyle Pitts is the one. And the same thing I felt in season long drafts, you know, like how can we match the top tier if we miss on Kittle, Kelsey Waller? Well, it's not going to be with like some of these guys going to seventh, seventh, eighth round. They have no chance, but if you can get Kyle Pitts in the fifth round, he at least has a chance with his profile to get into that top three. If you follow what I'm saying.
1: I follow you. I just think that that's going to be the play at tight end. That if I have to make a decision at tight end this week, that I'll just fade what the consensus is going to be. Because just you look at it, you look at the price, 4,400 bucks. You look at the matchup. Of course, that's going to be a good play. The only and I mean, potential good play, especially with the upside. I think the only way that I get to pits is if I go like Hertz, Watkins, Smith, Ridley, and pits and just pile all those guys together in a super stack from that game
4: yeah I mean I don't I, I don't I don't hate that at all especially on DraftKings where it's full PPR and you get bonuses you know like you don't need all the touchdowns and so even if Calvin Ridley quote-unquote only goes you know eight for 110 and no touchdowns that's still a pretty good game and so if Pitts goes off then you could you could have it going there with the setup on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, for my ceiling projections points per dollar right now, based on the inputs that I've put in at runthesims.com, mail for that 10% discount, by the way. And maybe I should just listen to the baseline projections and not fuck around with it because I'm an idiot and Justin's not, who does the projections. But Croft, my best points per dollar player at tight end. Pitts is number two. Ferxer is actually number three. Everyone just kind of forgot about Ferxer as the preseason went along after they signed Julio, but he could be a way to access this game for a pretty cheap price at 3,200 bucks.
4: Yeah, I wasn't encouraged by Fergster's usage in the preseason. They played Jeff Swaim a lot, and Ferkster only came in for pass downs, and that's fine. Obviously, we want him out in there for pass downs, but historically speaking, tight ends who are not every down tight ends, it's much, much thinner path to find them. So uh, I know what you're saying. On the deck, it's certainly a good game environment. He wouldn't be one of my favorites, I don't think.
1: Quarterbacks. Is there any chance you play a solo quarterback?
4: In tournaments, no. I think it, at this point in the game, it, you're making a pretty big mistake.
1: Okay, so let's talk about stacks. I think I kind of, if I'm going to stack that Jets and Carolina game, is, do you think it's better off going to the Jets side at quarterback or just pairing Darnold with McCaffrey and one of the receivers and bringing Corey Davis or, I mean, for me, it would be Tyler Crop. But even if you just brought Corey Davis back the other way, do you think that's the way to play it or Jets side play it?
4: I would prefer the Darnold side. I just think Darnold is, at this point, a better bet. Uh, We have Darnold about 1.1 points ahead of Zach Wilson at the same price, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's pretty significant in the projection world. And so, um, yeah, I would prefer Darnold. And I also would say, I mean, Robbie, DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, Dan Arnold, Christian McCaffrey, like, I'm okay with Zach Wilson's weapons, but Sam Darnold has absolutely... Outrageous weapons, like he could throw a five-yard slant to DJ Moore that goes for an eighty-yard touchdown. I'm not sure that's happening for Zach Wilson.
1: The the issue with the Darnold side of it is that you know McCaffrey is going to get his points. You hope they come in the receiving game and you get the double points off of it. But I think it's going to be tricky to figure out whether you want the next man in to be Moore or Robinson or Marshall because I don't think you want to do like a four-two stack of this game.
4: Um, yeah, it's tricky with McCaffrey for sure. I don't hate playing him. I typically prefer my stacks to be wide receivers, but I don't, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is a very unique case. The other problem with McCaffrey is he's so freaking expensive. But I certainly don't hate that. I think you can stack Darnold with McCaffrey.
1: I think there's a few guys, like I think you could, if you wanted to play Jameis, which you probably don't, but you could, Stack him with Elvin Kamara, probably no problem, just based on the way that Mm -hmm. he accumulates points. There's only so many guys that you can do that with. I mean, I talked about the Hurts one. I think that's cheap enough with all his periphery pieces to make it worth work with him being somewhat expensive and the Atlanta guys, at least Calvin Ridley, being pretty expensive. But just like objectively the best stacks you think you can go to. I was scanning the game totals, and we really didn't touch on this Browns-Chiefs game at all. It's by far the highest projected game of the week in terms of total points. It's also super expensive to try to stack together so do you imagine any Mahomes and like the logic would be Mahomes Hill Kelsey Chubb and or Hunt on the way back maybe one of the receivers I doubt many people will stack the Brown side passing game but maybe that's a move
4: yeah so Browns have a really narrow target tree in other words they're not going to throw a ton to number three wide receiver Nick Chubb doesn't catch passes I think they'll throw the 10 in a little bit but you can be pretty confident that if Baker has a big game it's going through Landry and Odell. So similar to the Vikings stuff, you know, like I understand Kirk Cousins doesn't have any mobility, but when he's throwing, he's throwing to Justin Jefferson, he's throwing to Adam Thielen. And that's pretty much it. Uh, a little bit to Dalvin, obviously and a little bit to Conklin, but, but yeah, so on situations like that, I think that's interesting ideas for tournaments where you can say, in the event my quarterback goes off, I know exactly who it's going to. And so I think there's a lot of value in that.
1: Yeah, it was the old school Derek Carr move where he'd be good like four times a year when you got some touchdown luck, but you knew that Crabtree and Cooper were catching everything on the Raiders.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, predictability of where it's going, I think, is, is, is important for people to think about.
1: So I'm just looking down. How popular do you think Mac Jones is going to be at 4400 bucks?
4: He's certainly a good value. I think in tournaments, people might stay away. There's no great real stacking options with him. And it's not a very high total game, but 4,400, you know, brings me back to the days of just punting it off at quarterback on DraftKings and like being fine. And so, yeah, Mac Jones from a projection standpoint is going to project really well. So I think, you know, he'll probably be, you know, four or 5% owned, I would guess.
1: Yeah. The other guy, I, he might even get higher than that. Cause people will use him in cash trying to set that floor yeah. playing like it was three years ago, like you said, and that might yeah. just translate itself over into some of the, probably not like the higher stakes tournaments, but the lower stakes tournaments. You might see Mac Jones and probably even Jacoby Myers get a boost up in that circumstance. The second highest projected one is going to be Cardinals and Titans. And it's only a three point spread. Now logic would say Kyler Hopkins, Henry, That makes sense to me. But I don't know how many people are going to go there. So
4: Derrick Henry can be difficult to stack with in these wild shootout games. He does fine when Ryan Tannehill plays well. Derrick Henry actually does fine in games. Let's say like Kyler goes off in the first quarter or the first half for like 250 yards and three touchdowns. Like your Derrick Henry stuff is dead at that point. You know, if Cardinals are up by 20 points or so. So I would think about building your stacks for this game in ways in which the Titans are in the game and playing well. Um, You know, I I think AJ Brown and Julio are going to be pretty popular. I think Rondell Moore is going to be pretty popular. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler, like this game is going to be very, very, very popular. I have no problem with the stack that you mentioned really, but you know, it's not going to be, you're not sneaking this one by anyone.
1: No, but maybe Bill Steelers. Just, there are so many um, besides Allen and Diggs and Harris Mm -hmm. from the Pittsburgh side. Like, Pittsburgh's a huge underdog here. They're going to have to throw, like you said, all these, like, dusty old guys. Week one's probably the time to play them. Ben looked good for, like, six weeks last year to begin the season, and then his arm fell off, and maybe he's okay for week one. And then you have, like, potentially 50 pass attempts to a collection of three receivers.
4: Sure, and these were two of the most pass-heavy teams in the NFL last year. I think Pittsburgh wants to be more run-heavy this year. That doesn't mean they'll be able to do it against the bills and so it's hard for people to pick between the Steelers receivers I think they're all really close between Claypool Deontay and Juju and that kind of paralyzes people and I think that'll keep ownership down on them in game scripts where the bills get out to a big lead which is certainly possible you could see Ben rip it 40 45 50 times for sure I mean there's absolutely no doubt about that and so yeah I I think that's an interesting one I like that call
1: All right. Defenses. Let's close this out. Who's the cheap D we want to play? Because we just talked about all the expensive options and all. Unless there is an expensive D, you're like, no, you got to play that one.
4: Yeah. You know, I'm typically completely punting it off. 2,700 for the Jaguars, I think is pretty interesting against the Houston team, which is literally like not trying to, they're like expansion level talent um, on the Houston Texans. I'm not exaggerating whatsoever, but they're not like as cheap as I normally prefer. But 2,700, I think is really good. I wouldn't even hate the Falcons against Jalen Hurts. You know, I know their defense isn't very good, but they're absolutely stoneman, 2K, and Jalen Hurts is going to run himself into some sacks. He's going to run himself into some turnovers. I think even though I like Jalen Hurts in this game a lot, you know, it doesn't mean, like, I'm not getting my fantasy points on DraftKings through points allowed. I'm getting them through sacks, pick sixes, strip sacks, et cetera. And so punting off with the Falcons I I think is okay. If I can find the 700, I think the Jaguars make sense.
1: I think the Broncos will probably be the most popular D at 3,300 bucks. It gets them away from the 49ers who are just too expensive. So I think that's where the chalk will manifest itself. I'm with you on the Falcons. That's exactly where I was going to go. They're the best points per dollar defense. And although I I can objectively like Hertz and like the Falcons defense in this game, I I think that's one of the few edges that's left in DraftKings, at least from a very casual level. Like I can see is that people don't realize that, defenses can still score a ton of points even if the opposing quarterback scores a ton of points
4: yeah of course you know and and it's not ideal like I don't love doing it but you know certainly in cash where you're trying to raise your floor and you're not as worried about ceiling I think that it's fine in tournaments you know maybe you wouldn't want to play Falcons D against Jalen Hurts but the best best scenario for Jalen Hurts is he throws a pick six and he gets the ball right back and your Falcons D just scored six points or eight points also so so yeah it can definitely work
1: Would you imagine that the Bills are pretty popular, $2,500 being such a big favorite at home and being that cheap?
4: Yeah, I think they're fine. I think they're fine, for sure. I mean, Ben, you know, if he throws a ton, he's going to throw interceptions. There's no no doubt about it. I, I think that one's fine.
1: I'm just trying to find, like, is there any other cheap one I can go to? Like, the Saints D is still pretty good, although I don't necessarily love them going up. What about the Texans' defense against Lawrence? What if Lawrence just isn't ready for prime time? And the Texans aren't as expansion level as maybe we all think.
4: Yep. I think that's fine. Uh, You know, um, 2100 is very, very cheap for a defense. And just because like the Texans are trying to lose through personnel decisions, obviously the players on the field are going to be playing hard. Like they're not going to try to lose. And so, yeah, they'll be out there getting after Trevor Lawrence. I think that one's okay. I, I think I would prefer the Falcons, but Texans is okay.
1: All right, Falcons, lock them in. Two thousand bucks. Let's go. Let's <laughs> score. Let's let's maybe we we can have the pick six to start the game. You know, it'd be more ideal if it was like a ninety-eight yard run. Hurts fumbles, return six. Then Hurts gets the ball back right away. Then keeps running. I think that's would be the ideal situation for this gameplay. I want to do a thing called the Play the Best Plays lineup, Levitan. And the way that we do this is try to pick out the most common lineup that you think is going to exist on DraftKings this week like if I was just some guy logging in on logging in on Sunday morning what am I doing with my lineup so it doesn't even mean there has to be stacks I'm guessing there probably will be a stack but if I was starting my team and most people I think they start their builds with quarterbacks because it's the first one that pops up so they just start there where do you think people are going at quarterback this week
4: uh I who are you referring to? Are you referring to like people trying to win or just like people on their phone like taking a shit and putting a putting a lineup in on Sunday morning?
1: I mean, I it sounds like you're downgrading how I fill out my lineups, but yes, the, the guy on the shit. <laughs> oh
4: God. Yeah, Guy on the shitter. I don't think Guy on the Shitter has that much confidence in Jalen Hurts. I know he doesn't have a lot of confidence in Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Darnold or or Mac Jones. Um I think guy on the shitter, I think, God, I I think guy on the shitter might want to play Mahomes.
1: I can see that, too. Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen with the big, like, first next to his name and opponent's pretty tough. Yeah, and Hurts has the 31, Baker has the 30. Who could be here? I mean, people aren't going to play Garoppolo. That's not going to happen. I actually think that Mac Jones might be the answer because he's so cheap.
4: Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Do people scroll? If they're on the shitter, do they have time to scroll down that far? I mean, how long are you on the shitter for?
1: It depends on how much fiber you eat versus meat, I think.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I don't think the shitter guy is going down to Mac Jones. I I, I still think that the shitter guy finds his way to either Hertz, Allen, or Mahomes, I'll say.
1: All right, let's go with Allen. Let's go with Mahomes. It's probably going to be Mahomes. The top price players are usually the highest priced ones. So does that mean Kelsey or Hill? Because it's probably just one for this guy filling out a lineup.
4: You're assuming that the guy in the shitter knows to uh,
1: stack. All right. So let's, let's get, okay, let's just move to running back then. So our two running backs <laughs> McCaffrey, is he the play? Cause I think Najee Harris is going to be very popular as well.
4: Uh, I think guy on the shitter plays James Robinson, to be honest.
1: Oh, over Najee. I guess they had, there's a big 32 think, next to his name. So that probably makes sense.
4: I, yeah. I think people love James Robinson and I think everybody knows how bad the Texans are and, they say he's 6400. I I think that people play James Robinson. All right, so Mah- the shitter guy I I personally prefer Najee, but I think I think the shitter guy prefers James Robinson.
1: So that would lead me to believe the next running back is probably going to be one of the expensive guys. You have McCaffrey, Cook, Henry and Kamara. Probably one of those four guys is the next man in.
4: Yeah. It's McCaffrey. I mean, the guys who've been playing season long are so aware that McCaffrey was like the no-brainer number one pick. I think they get in
1: McCaffrey. Okay, so now we got Robinson and McCaffrey. We're, we're hurting here now. We need some cheap guys. So who are, this, who are some of the cheap guys that we can fill this in with to make this lineup work? Because it only, only $4,300 remaining here at receiver because you probably want yeah. one moderately expensive guy, than the two cheap guys. So Callaway is probably in this lineup, right?
4: Yeah, shitter guy is playing Callaway for sure. And probably I would say T. Higgins also.
1: All right, so Higgins and Callaway are both in. We now have $4,400. You think they, they, they spend somewhere on, I mean, Kyle Pitts is most definitely in this lineup, by the way.
2: <laughs> he, yeah. He,
1: he is the tight end. So we got 4500 for a receiver flex and defense now.
4: Yeah, put in the Jaguars and put in Pitts.
1: You think, yeah, Jags D, that's right. Jags D is 2700 Oh, yeah, now we got money. 5400 bucks per player.
4: For and we need one wide receiver in what? and what in a flex. Yeah, so you know it'll probably be uh, I don't know you know. Uh, they probably pay up maybe for one of the Aaron Jones or Najee types, and then find some find some receiver in like the four K range probably.
1: Or is this where Javante Williams comes in, or do you think the people will not be on him?
4: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. His price just doesn't stick out enough when you can get like legit guys for a little bit more. So, you know, maybe they go like Antonio Gibson and I don't know what's left at wide receiver then.
1: Antonio Gibson's a really good call is the flex. Because, I mean, we're not going to try to like late swap, uh, late swap anyone in here. If we take at least $4,900 for a receiver, who's the $4,900 receiver we can use? Corey 4, Davis?
4: 4900 receiver, probably Judy or Corey Davis or uh, Hardman. Uh,
1: Judy would make more sense than Corey Davis because I think that casual guy doesn't want to take any jets
4: okay you're probably right
1: <laughs> so Judy so the lineup then becomes Mahomes <laughs> Robinson McCaffrey Callaway, Higgins Judy Pitts Gibson and Jags
4: you could go Hardman over Judy if you wanted a stack
1: Do you, do you think that they would want that though a, a stack with Hardman instead of Judy probably not all right, so that's the lineup. That's the play the best plays lineup as we constructed it on the <laughs> run-through. You'd be shocked at, because um, we did this in the golf. Sh- it's a bit easier in golf because you don't have to worry about positions. But, like, how much we nailed, like, the four most common guys in every single lineup throughout the course of every week.
4: Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, you know, you have your finger on the pulse of the, sh- of the guy in the shitter. It's no problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that is this audience. Guy... I mean, they're probably listening to the show or watching it while taking a shit right now. So this only makes the most sense. Adam Levitan, thanks for doing this, dude. Uh, you guys have premium podcasts that Establish the Run, too, don't you?
4: Sure, yeah. We'll have some free podcasts. You can find them anywhere you can find podcasts. It's also on YouTube. We're putting all our free podcasts up on YouTube. Launching a new show on YouTube, too. I know you guys are probably watching this on YouTube. Uh, Thursdays at noon, Silva and I will be on talking about betting and props and stuff like that. Um, on Thursdays at noon on YouTube, if you guys want to check that out.
1: I did want to mention that the optimal lineup that got spit out for me with my projections when I went to runthesims.com slash mail for that discount to run the optimizer turned out to be Mahomes, McCaffrey, Camara, Marvin Jones, Callaway, Jamar Chase, because it's me, George Kittle, Jalen Waddle, and Falcons defense. That was the optimal lineup for 49-9. I don't hate
4: it. Yeah, I wouldn't play that personally, but you, Godspeed to you.
1: Well, there's no correlation in it, which is kind of tricky, but that was just because I didn't put any of the stack features in. I just hit run the Sims, and that's what it spit me out, but <laughs> it's projected for 148 points. How could I lose? What could go wrong? Uh, DK contest this week in the description. The giveaways in the description. That prop contest is in the description as well. Please go play that and support Mayo Media Network. That'll do it for me. My cheat sheet will be up on DK Nation, where you used to be able to find and stuff, and now he's a big shot who has established the run.com where you can find all of his stuff to highly recommend that you go become a sub at establish the run. And if you just want tools, Hey, run the sims.com. I know I've been talking about it, but it truly is just great. If you want tools to customize and go mess around with and make your own projections and run optimizers and everything like that. <laughs> the American rider cup captains selections, Remember to smash the like button of the video, subscribe to Mayo Media Network, and in the comment section, you give me the player that is not one of these captains picks that you think should be on the team. Can't be Patrick Reed, because we'll talk about Patrick Reed here in a second. Beyond Patrick Reed, who do you think should have made the U.S. Ryder Cup team? So looking at it right now, Daniel Berger, Harris English, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Scotty, Iron, Scheffler. In the man of magic beans himself, Jordan Spieth, were the six captains picks that left Kevin Na on the outside looking in, Patrick Reed. I mean, Kevin Kisner was never going to make the team to begin with, but apparently people are like triggered that he's not on the team somehow. I mean, that's moronic. But either way, he is also not on the team. Jeff Feinberg is on the line to help me break this down. There is one place and one place only that we need to start, sir. How can you have a Team America without Captain America?
3: I'll admit, Pat, I am quite heartbroken by the decision. I don't think it changes anything how I think this event is going to play out. As far as I'm concerned, Steve Stricker had one and a half mulligans. The other team's got three and a half Lee Westwoods. So there's no roster that Stricker could have sent out that would change my opinion on the event. But I'm absolutely heartbroken for Patrick Reed. I am a staunch Patrick Reed supporter. Um, the fact that a guy who is a masters champion consistently wins WGCs, won FedEx playoff FedEx Cup playoff events, won Tory Pines this season, a premier scheduled event, got left off the team for the best player in the world who's never won and I hate having to frame this as like an anti Scheffler thing, but I do not believe Scotty Scheffler deserved Patrick Reed's spot. Forgetting the fact that, I mean, we, we discussed match play week, right? The WGC match play that the whole like match play wizard things a bit overblown from a couple incidents at Hazeltine 16, but, but there's no doubt he is a proven RC commodity. He might be on uh, at least, I could be biased, but they're on a lot of golf fans. If you need a 10 footer for your life, Patrick Reed is probably on your short list. I know for a fact he's healthy because I've heard from inside his camp. Okay, I'll just put that out there. I have I am a supporter when people are mean. I am nice and people within his camp know that I'm a fan and they they reach out for me from time to time. And I know that he is healthy, and this is being seen as strictly political. The guy went to the Olympics for love of country. For love of country. I'm I I'm heartbroken for the guy. I really am. I, I, I think Spieth and Justin Thomas might have had a, a role in this. And I think they're the new leaders of USA Golf. They're the leaders of the team I'm going to brown bag a lot of money on when this event rolls around i just want to get the best possible number i can so i need them to be great and maybe this is in their mind what will allow them to be great but i believe politics are at play here and i'm I, i'm heartbroken i'll say it again heartbroken farid
1: there's listen. There's most definitely a case for Reed to be on this team, whether it be experience, whether it's the skill set that he brings to the table. But getting sick certainly didn't help. It although he did return to Eastlake and played like okay. But and it's not like it's tomorrow. No, it's not like it's tomorrow. But frankly, Reed hasn't been good in like six months. It's not like he earned his way on the team and they found some way to leave him off. Like that, that's fair. Like and Scheffler, despite not winning all year, I think he's sort of the guy. Not that I'm like a huge Scheffler fan, but he's so well-rounded. And people were talking about, oh, Kevin Na makes all the putts. We're like, Scheffler's basically as good of a putter as Kevin Na. It's just he doesn't have the spike putting weeks that Kevin Na has. That, yeah, the recency bias with Na, because he's hitting his irons really good right now. And that's really been the difference between his results. But do you really want to take Listen, I I wish Kevin Na was on the team instead of Scheffler. I love Kevin Na. He's one of my favorite golfers. I understand the decision to take Scotty Scheffler over Kevin Na just mainly because do you want to get to the Ryder Cup and bad Kevin Na shows up? Because that happens a lot. Bad Scotty Scheffler rarely shows up. He's one of the more consistent players out there. And I think that he has really the perfect qualities for Whistling Straights.
3: 100%. I like Scheffler. I wanted Scheffler when we were doing this like a month ago. I wanted him to have the spot that I at the time projected to fill. I, and that part of me likes the fact that the USA is sort of saying, "No, I want to bring a guy that I think is going to be on the next five of these things. He's a perfect fit. Uh, let's bring him into this thing." I've always kind of wanted Team USA to do that. We've spoken about that in the past. If they're not going it, because they didn't take Reed, I am thrilled with the selection, despite a very off-putting remark I made about Scheffler and comparing in comparing them, that doesn't matter. I mean, Fina won Puerto Rico. He went to Paris and got three and a half points. Like, PGA Tour wins don't necessarily matter when it comes to Ryder Cup. I mean, Poulter hasn't won in goddamn forever. Still great Ryder um, Cup player. So I agree with absolutely everything you said about Scheffler. I was so out on nah. To me, well, people think the team room hates Team USA. Nah would have this ability, Pat, to make the Europeans hate him. Like, he would do something that would fire them up, in my opinion, not fire up his own, like, stoic teammates. He would rile up the opponent. I think the I thought Nah would backfire between bad Kevin Nah and, and match play Kevin Nah. I think he would do something off putting. Like, you know that incident with Jessica Corda from the weekend? You probably don't even know where the putt on the ledge and it nope. they gave the, the <laughs> American Solheims the point. Didn't see that. I don't even want to get into it, but people who are watching will understand. Jessica didn't call that point herself. An official came in and called the point. And someone pointed out to me on Twitter today that Nah would call the point. Like, he wouldn't allow for an official to do it. He would be that guy. Like, no, 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 we did not even need the official in here. That's my point. That ball was over the ledge. Um, so I think Nah literally could have backfired. So I'm honestly happy. I I, I go the other
1: way on that. I would want that guy. That's essentially what you're describing. What Poulter is to the Euros. Yeah, but Poulter's their
3: best player available. Nah, isn't. I don't want that at the
1: behest of the actual talented player like Scheffler, who's a better course. Is Poulter one of the better players available? Like, who's had a better past twenty four months? Guido or Poulter? Burned or Poulter? It's those two.
3: I don't know, but here I'll put something you say to me. Like we're gonna take Guido's, Jabroni Europe events versus Poulter playing a pretty consistent American schedule. Maybe it's a fine line, but Guido burnt. Like Guido's done nothing to 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 to, er, to like take the spot. They have left Padraig in an awkward spot, forcing him into these veterans. Unless something fun happens at Wentworth this week, the old band. Um, I, I don't think there's a talent. Like Scheffler, that they can overlook by taking Poulter. Like it's way too close in that regard, so they'll take the experience and the feistiness. I don't think Scheffler versus Na is that close either in course fit or consistency in a lot of ways. So I'll rebuke that. Well, well respected. I'll rebuke the the point. I can see
1: that, but I, I'm just maybe it's just because the American team is stronger. I think that Scheffler is a better player than Na too. But I mean, Na did win this year. He has like. Four wins in the past three years. He's a very good player. But like you said, the consistency level definitely goes with Scheffler. The skill set definitely goes with Scheffler. That's why he's on the team. Like the the Scheffler spot really probably came down to Scheffler or Burns.
3: You think Burns was ahead of Reed? I mean, Stricker made it seem like he said he lost sleep over the Reed decision. Maybe that's an easy thing to say. Um and he also made it seem like Now was never really in contention. Like, if you sort of want to read into some of the things Stricker said, um, that, it, that he wasn't really on that deep, deep short list. It was nice to see him play well last week, but it wasn't really enough for Stricker. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, if Brooks can't go, you think... Reed is going to get passed again? Probably because once they pass him once, I feel like it's already political.
1: Yeah, I don't even know if it's political or they didn't trust what his health status was or at least the optics of it coming in. Uh, Because I think you need to have backup plans for this because not only is the Brooks wrist injury a real thing and they might just say, you know what, you're not 100%, we don't want to see you out there like you were at the Masters when stupid Pat bet on you to win the Masters and you couldn't bend over. But there's also, I mean, we're just what, a month and a half removed from Bryson and Rom not being being able to play in the Olympics because of COVID like that's not off the table
3: either. 100% there are a lot of wild card doors um, still to be opened. I would just love reading the music hits and it's Reed and Justine coming through the tunnel, like the end of a wrestling pay-per-view. It would like be, he's the, oh no! He's it, the
1: twelfth man. There is a situation right now where Reed could be like secretly getting his EU membership because he's an official member lifetime of the European Tour. That he just shows up playing for the Euros. That would be the ultimate.
3: Yeah, he, he, Reed and Justine has like a great grandparent who's German, and they're trying to acquire German citizenship at the moment. It would be a great storyline something be, like random like that
1: uh, that would be <laughs> fantastic i i mean we don't know what the european team is going to be because wentworth is really going to tell the story like there's still a way that tommy fleetwood loses his automatic qualifying and doesn't make this team
3: no he's been announced as a uh, Podrig told him he's on the team 100 percent.
1: oh well that's no fun it may mean, like he
3: put out ryder cup europe put out a tweet yesterday welcoming tommy fleetwood to the team
1: Okay, because I, I see that there are scenarios where he loses automatic qualification if BMW finished Guido, burn Hatton, and then someone else like down the list, like one, two, three, and like he Tommy missed the cut or something like that, that the points would work out that he would no longer be on the team. But like, what was the last time that guy was good?
3: Last week, where he put two balls in the water down where he couldn't hit a drive in the last four holes and lost by your stroke. Yeah, I've been saying to you, it's been a while. You mentioned that run last year around the Honda where he won a bunch overseas, and then he came and was second at the Honda, and it does seem like there's a small pocket where he just gained absolutely so many points, but this speaks to the just, I mean, Pat, I think the Europeans are in no better are, are in slightly better shape than they were at Hazeltine, but I think this American team is so much
1: better than Hazeltine. Like I I would agree with you, and the odds reflect that. Like right now, the USA is minus one ninety to win the Ryder Cup. Europe is two to one is a two to one underdog, and that's with the tie. The tie is twelve to one. But it's gonna be minus 190 for USA either way because they actually have to go out and win because yeah. uh, a tie would go to the Europeans being the defending champions. Now I, I think this is this is a perfect setup. Like if the if the Americans don't win this one, they're in real trouble and they need to really reassess what's going on. Cause Everything I, I threw it out there that if Stricker was actually a good strategy player like he would take gim he would take stanley and try to pair them up with like generous gimme givers on the other side be like no you don't need to make that four footer dug Gim. that's fine because those guys will hit it to four feet all day they'll just miss 80 percent of the four footers and the the amount of talk about this guy's a fucking clutch putter this guy's so great at putting have we not learned anything from daily fantasy and betting on golf over the last five years this shit doesn't matter yeah kevin Knott is a good putter When he puts well, Scotty Scheffler, also a good putter. When he puts well, these guys don't putt well every single week. It is the least transferable skill going. (laughs)
3: 100% Pat, Uh, 100%. And to piggyback on top of something you said, A, I will be in a ditch. I'll be in a ditch. I think if the USA loses this thing, I want to brown bag it so hard. I'm going to Vegas a couple weeks after I'm trying to pay for my whole trip. Like I want to get her done. So I'll be like triple in the hole. If they can't pull this off. Um, that being said, I if they can't win this one on this course, as I stare at this European team, where listen, we love Shane Lowry, we bet Shane Lowry, we know there are places where Shane Lowry is great. He's like the 39th best player in the world, and he's a lock for that team. I'm gonna say got I, three th- goddamn th- Lee th- West th- th-
1: this course is good for Shane Lowry, I think.
3: Yes, I will give you that, but I'm just like on paper. And paper hasn't been kind to the Americans in the past. If they lose this, then they could may as well just start taking college kids. Like, sure, do whatever you want. Take from the corn fairy. Like, if they can't win on this course. I got to say one more thing, and I've said it a few times. To me, the past means zero. It means zero. We look at these 12 men. Only Dustin Johnson has been on more than three Ryder Cups. I believe Spieth has been on three. I believe he was at Scotland in 14 as a baby. Other than that, this entire USA team is one and one or zero and one in the Ryder Cup with an unfortunate loss that they were dead from go between captain and course in Paris. This new era of USA golf, I am going to get behind to overwhelm Europe on talent alone to just overwhelm them. I don't think they need to wear the sins of of selfish like Tiger and Phil in the past. And I'm just putting that out there as like the Ryder Cup perception. I don't think this group deserves to wear the sins of the past. They have not been a part of it. They have not. They have not.
1: I can see how Europe wins this. It would take the best player in the world being by far the best player. Rory getting back up to that level and Victor taking a step forward. Those three guys come through. They have enough random scrappy guys that I don't think will shit their pants out on the course now they can get overwhelmed like you said but if like burger shits the bed or scheffler shits the bed or harris english is just overwhelmed by the moment like i'm not going to find that super surprising i think that would be an underdog to happen but i can see how it flips but it requires the top end guys like or they get some sort of crazy thing where molinari and fleetwood are like the two best players in the world coming into the event in recent form and they just keep that going during the Ryder cup but it doesn't seem like europe has that at the moment like rom is their guy and that's really it. When you look at all these guys, like maybe someone will heat up at the BMW, but maybe they need to go take Hogard from Denmark. You know,
3: you, you have made a great point and the European fan would counter that and say, listen, Pat, the same five or six guys we've put on this team forever and they've always won and they're all kind of back, right? Like that back part of the team in some respects. Um, and if, If Sergio beats, like, Dustin in singles, like, no one's surprised. Like, all those guys on a paper matchup, you're like, oh, okay. That, like, wouldn't shock me one bit. Um, So there's a path. And I know you play – you had no even idea of what happened this past weekend. But I'll just tell you that the Americans were a minus 250 at home, Pat, the ladies. And they got trained. 15 to 13 was the final score. And it wasn't even that close. It was not close. That final score was closer than it was. Minus 250 on home field. And the ladies of a USA just got trained by this feisty European group. Like, it was just like the men in so many ways, Pat.
1: All right. Last thing. Um, When I was looking through the course fit and the type of players that play history. I mean, we only have two real samples from whistling Straits and competitive play the 2010 and the 2015 pga championships where there's just you know an eclectic mix of players that are going along there like maybe martin Kyber can come out as vice captain and be like i'll read some putts for you remember that one i remember that one i made down the hill on 18 to make the playoff and then win the pga championship eh, i got this one figured out did you leave for it to me players putts yeah but he actually made it on this course when he won the pga oh, championship yes. so i figured he would know the greens pretty well but the player that and he has no he was not even consideration for this team, nor should he be. But Matthew Wolf would have been fucking awesome on this team. Huh.
3: Yeah, I mean, I could sort of see where that comes into play. He has the sort of same uh, you know, even back in the day, Bubba probably would have would have handled himself quite well, quite well here. That doesn't shock me one bit. Um yeah, you're not wrong. I just look at it like If is horrible, the U.S. can withstand that. Can Europe withstand, like, Victor not showing up? Like, I mean, the Europe's, I don't, like, they're dead if something like that happens.
1: Yeah, strangely enough, you know who might be the key guy? The two key guys on the Euro team, like, if they show up and start making putts, like, watch out, especially if they get paired up together, are Hatton and Casey. Who, Casey's, you kind of know what you're going to get from Casey, but Hatton's been all over the map in 2021. You're 100% right.
3: I mean... I think we all agree it's all sort of going to depend on Hatton, Casey, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, right? Like that middle core. We always understand the back end could be in trouble, despite it being veterans on Europe and maybe they could hold their own. But that middle group, if they can't support Rom and Rory getting hot, this thing is going, it's going to get
1: overwhelming. All right. That's our instant reaction to the U.S. Ryder Cup. I want to recommend everyone play in the NFL season-long props contest. Yes. Uh, hit the description. You can find the whole thing. But just deposit at prize picks, and you play a $7.11 entry per week against me, against Jeff, against Cust. You Just make five picks over-unders. It's super fun. Use code MMN. Uh, when you make your deposit, you'll get a deposit match of up to $100. You deposit $65, you'll get match 65 and you're covered for the year. And there's bonuses. It's $3K to first place. $50 bonuses for five of five picks every single week. It's going to be a lot of fun. So please hit the description and go do that through our link or with code M M N. All right, Jeff, that's it for, uh, for us talking golf until the actual Ryder cup is around. I guess maybe we'll talk about the captain's pick for the euros. If we have time, once that comes out after Wentworth.
3: Yeah, we'll see. We'd have to get a real wild card from Wentworth. I'm kind of expecting, Bobby uh, Mack. Band...
1: Bobby Mack, Bobby Mack.
3: We shall, we shall see when we going to be a firecracker. Like guys like Norrin's 20 to one. Like, he's the most popular bet on the board if he he goes fire. So, yeah, that thing could flip a bit at Wentworth. I'm excited to follow.
1: Wait till they put the Hogard brothers on the team, like when they had the Molinaris on that time. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I I mean it, though. I think uh, Kevin Knott could have had, like, a Danny Willits brother effect on the Ryder
1: Cup. That just seems insane to me. I don't believe that for a second. You're right. It's probably a little too mean. Yeah. Like Kevin Nah, generally very well liked amongst players, by the way. Like one of the more popular I don't know. Guys I just court. feel
3: like he wouldn't be hated. In a, he would just fire them up. He would just get you. Europe more fired up than he would his own team. Yeah. I'd but be worried.
1: What, one of the main reasons that I feel like Reed, especially at an American Ryder Cup, is really good because he gets the fans fired up. It's a reason to cheer for him. And I feel like Kevin now would have brought some of that too. He might have pissed off the European team, but he would have got the crowd fucking fired up, walking in pots and doing like crazy. Remember his flop shot at the U.S. Open? Just he's just that sort of player that you have no real reason to root for them on any weekly basis. But if you have investment in them and want to root for them, they can be an awful lot of fun.
3: Yeah, no, I I do totally, um, I do totally agree with that part of it. Like Harris English is going to be the most stoic guy hitting. 35 footer to go up a hole on 17
1: absolutely g feinberg 17 on twitter catch him every single wednesday on the pat mayo experience talking spread picks with me and tim Andacus. shows already out if you haven't watched that if you haven't watched that yet one give your fucking head a shake pals then go watch it or download it and listen and play in that props contest too smash a like on the way out sub to the channel and that will do it for us i'm pat mayo see you next time pat mayo Experience. experience.
2: mypatriotsupply.com